Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix. Don't forget, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Today's very special guest is Johanna Warren. Welcome to the show, Johanna. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to meet you in person. I absolutely love your record. That is why I feel so lucky to be launching you today on the show. Thank you. I love your music too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you have such a beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. Right on. Well, your record, you guys get it. Lessons for Mutants. It's out now. It's fantastic. First of all, I want to ask where you're from originally because you've come, you're in LA right now, but I know this is not where you live. So tell us a little bit about your musical roots. Oh, the roots are deep and ever spreading. I was born in Florida, kind of random, um, have moved around a lot my whole life, have spent the last two years in rural Wales, rode out the pandemic in the hills surrounded by sheepies. And now this is the first time I'm back in the US since the whole COVID thing kicked off three years ago. So yeah, I'm on sort of like a record release tour, but mostly like hugging friends tour. Wales, tell us more about Wales. Did did it make you kind of want to just move out of the country permanently? Or are you happy to be back stateside? I am very happy to be back stateside for reasons that I was not even anticipating, specifically food. I was not um, even fully aware of like how limited the options are relative to somewhere like this. And I have very specific dietary needs. But in the UK, it's like, would you like boiled or fried potatoes <laughs> smothered in meat gravy? Um, so coming back to L.A., it's like, whoa options there's green juices there's spirulina snacks <laughs> oh, wow. yeah okay i can gr- i can relate to that yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> um and so you where do you do you do live in florida still is your main space or because of you were just in wales now you're just on the road kind of without without a home Touring? Um, that one, the latter. Yeah, I've been pretty fully nomadic my whole life. Um, my parents moved around a lot when we were growing up. So I moved away from Florida when I was two. And I think got that biorhythm set really young of just every few years, it's time to move and don't get too comfortable. Don't make too many friends. Just a very light touch with life. Um, and I think in my adulthood, I transferred that into being a professional musician. <laughs> so tumbleweeding around. And um, Wales was a very ideal place to ride out the pandemic. But now um, that's over. And I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm on tour for the next two months and then kind of figuring it out. Cool. And do you mind me asking how music first found you and how old you were and what was that moment that brought you to music as your future perfect now? (laughs) Future perfect now is a good record title. Um, I don't know. My dad was very musical. He plays piano and sings. So I'm sure there was just music in the house all the time. Um, my dad would dance me to sleep at night, like put on a record and just bop around the living room. So yeah, I was obsessed with Disney, Mary Poppins and Little Mermaid and all of them. So yeah, just like got melodies in my head before I could talk. Yeah. 
And then was it guitar or piano? How, what instrument brought you um, to songwriting? Well, I guess songwriting, I started when I was in kindergarten, like little toy pianos, just writing love songs for um, Batman and... <laughs> My my earliest sex dream was Batman um, stroking me with strawberries in a child's tent outside. And I actually just just recently had a dream where I was telling someone in the dream about that dream. We were waiting in line for a new Batman movie. And I was like, you know, my earliest sex dream was about Batman. And she was like, why Batman? And I think, I think, well, what my dream self said was something like, he's a man of mystery who's tender. He's like, he'll take care of you. (laughs) I love this part of the conversation. Make a note of it. Um, Do you, uh, I feel like we've gotten into too deep. You were going to ask me if I have Batman sex dreams. (laughs) No, but I totally get how you may have. I think he's very, very handsome and regal (laughs) and uh, seems tender, but also badass. So yes. Um, I don't know which Batman. It's not really the guy behind it. It's just Batman. Yeah. Maybe even the the comic book is is all those things. That's it. He was in full suit uh, in my dream. And I think it's like, I don't want, I don't, want or need to know who's behind that it's the mystery that's hot (laughs) so how long have you been writing songs and releasing music as johanna warren as my solo self um time keeps on marching doesn't it i guess it's been like 10 years but i had a band before that called stick lips which is where i sort of cut my songwriting teeth but then that fell apart in a fairly tragic way and I emerged as a person instead of a band my yeah my main collaborator got a brain tumor when he was like 23 and was sick for a couple of years and then finally pieced out of this dimension but he's his name was Jonathan and he's um still to this day I consider him a collaborator actively in everything that I do. I really feel him come into the room sometimes, especially when I'm playing guitar. Cause that's, he was just such a genius guitar player. So sometimes when I'm trying to figure out like on this new record, I played electric guitar more than I have on, on any other record of mine and like soloed for the first time and uh, yeah, invoked him for sure. Whether a conscious or unconscious, there is a responsibility to those who've passed yeah, through art that, you know, when you care deeply about them, they're always a part of what you do. And mm-hmm. and I can relate completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you brought us a copy of the vinyl. This is the coolest cover. If you're <laughs> seeing this, you must get this record. Um, you can stream it everywhere as, as well. Also some delicious calendula, it looks like. Dried calendula and organic seeds that I get to plant. Hmm. Yeah, that's all from my Welsh garden, RIP. I was like homesteading so deep through the pandemic and then our landlord evicted us with very little notice and we it was just uh, pretty traumatic having gone so oh. deep into like my garden fairy world and then he just he came over unannounced and strimmed my wild herb garden and it was 
it was honestly one of the more iconic moments of my life, like confronting him in that moment and getting to yell at this old white man about plants and how violating that was. And it was like the day after Roe v. Wade was overturned, too. So I was just already. He got got the fury of all of it. Yeah, all the ancestors, all the collective rage. I was like, you chose a funny day to mow down a witch's garden, my friend. Yeah, it was a special moment for him. Uh, oh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that you spent time in Wales. That sounds so romantic and that you made an herb garden, a witchy herb garden, all of that. Mm. Very evocative. I can see the mm. painting of that. So. Mm. Um, did you write a lot? Is this record from that time or had you already written some of this? Kind of spanned the two continents and very different worlds pre and post pandemic because I started recording it in New York and then finished in the UK. So it's got that bridge vibe. But I did a lot of writing in Wales, but mostly actually for a musical project, uh, like a musical theater project that I've been working on, um, an adaptation of the Bacchae, which has been very fun, like the Euripides. Say that again. The what? The Bacchae. The Bacchae. Ancient Greek Euripides last play. What? Yeah. Amazing. Deep, deep, dark feminine vibes. Dionysus enchants. all the women of Thebes and brings them out into the forest to engage in Dionysian revelries and the young patriarch is not into it and sets about to destroy Dionysus and all of the women engaging in these revelries on the hill. So it's very, very topical, very (laughs) relevant to the times, Um, very queer, very witchy. So that was like the, the land in Wales was just feeding that project so directly with very little effort on my part. I would just walk the hills and like receive the transmissions from the rocks and the rivers and the trees. They're all like, Ooh, we have ideas. That I think that totally makes sense. Mm. And I love how you use the term receive transmissions because I do feel that, you know, uh, without anthropomorphizing too much nature that there are messages and uh, the trees are talking Mm. and that so are the rocks and the streams. So I I love Mm -hmm. that observation and that teaching that you got from it and that you made an art project, you know, about that. Did it come out there or were you working on it? And is it still in process? Um, It is still in process. It was my friend Jay, Jay Landon Marcus. He hit me up out of the blue. I knew him many, many, I've known him for many years, but we were out of touch for a long time. But he sort of came out of left field and was like, I'm working on this project. And I feel like you're the person that I want to collaborate with on it. And it found me at the right time. And yeah, that's been one of my big creative focuses for the last year. And we're going to do a live workshop in Bristol, England, at the University of Bristol um, in February. So, yeah, very much in process. Cool. But the idea is that it is a musical. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. How exciting. And yeah. remind remind us the name again. So The Bacchae. The Bacchae, so we can keep an ear out for it. Mm. Um, that's exciting. Mm. So uh, 
that makes sense. And that was not planned. You just happened to be in Wales when you got that call about mm. him wanting to collaborate. And then you really were in the right place at the right time mm. to receive those transmissions and be able to speak for the voices of those women. And mm. wow, that's powerful. Um, now, is there, you have any questions for me before I keep drilling you with questions? Mm. Well, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, I'm just interested to meet you and get to know you because you seem like a vibey, <laughs> amazing person. So, yeah, I'm curious when you you resonate with that feeling of like receiving transmissions from nature. Do you find is that a part of your practice, your creative practice? That's a great question. Yeah, I've always felt that uh, and I've been privileged and blessed enough to live near trees and forest. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was a kid, my dad would make sure like even when we'd have to rent a one bedroom apartment with all of us kids or a small house that it was butted up against like a reserve or the desert wash or somewhere where we could hike mm. because he was such a, my, both my parents were really all about nature and depending on where we were, it wasn't readily available if mm. you were in the city part. So he would always find these sort of like outskirt areas where we could walk and hike. And so from a very young age, I learned how important to my creative outlet and process nature was. And yeah. So yeah, I think like unconsciously or consciously, it always makes its way into my songwriting. It's mm -hmm. like love, nature, uh, you know, pain. Yeah. <laughs> Those Trinity, three things, yeah. the Holy Trinity, they <laughs> seem to find their way into my songwriting or any of the things that I do. So yes, and uh, I've always had this thing about the trees talking and mm. I'm listening, you know, like I'll sit and just listen to the trees talk. Uh, mm. And it, it, it is really, even if it all it does is sort of clear all the chatter, that's mm. that in itself is such a welcome a welcome thing because the mind can, it can just n not shut up. So it's nice to have nature clear, clear the mind a bit, you know, and have mm. more mindfulness and throughout the day. So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. A very different approach than what we're encouraged to see creativity as I think it's like, it feels very wrapped up in patriarchy and like favoring the young energy all the time. Like do make, create, push out instead of, Relax, be quiet, receive, attune, hold, you know, which is I'm I'm working on that personally because I think I even though I was, you know, assigned female at birth, a very masculine being in a lot of ways, very ambitious, very willing to push myself beyond beyond. And I'm working on kind of healing that toxic masculine in myself and making space for my feminine to just do what she loves to do, which is like be a mermaid <laughs> lounging on the side of a pool. But she, you know, in that process, she receives so much that then I think the masculine can use for his ambitious creative pursuits. But it's like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, I never could have come up with that. But now that we were quiet for a second, this waterfall has gifted us <laughs> this this rich material that... um. Yeah, I, it's just it feels humbling and really important for me to remember to check myself and not need to be talking all the time. Like, listen, attune. That was a message I needed to hear because I definitely, um, yeah, I needed to hear that. And I know what you mean when you have those moments of like, ah, oh, the feminine self comes mm. out. 
Because, yeah, and I think you're right. I think it is a cultural thing to be, mm. if you're not driven and, you know, single-minded on some sort of level of success or what, what is deemed successful to, you know, the cultural mores of today, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not, then you're lazy. Mm-hmm. Then you're not, you know, performing at your top level, then you're mm-hmm. not all those things. And sometimes it's the, you know, that's not the case. And when I've been in those quiet moments of reflection or just allowing for that feminine energy to run wild, that is always like what nourishes mm-hmm. the, 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 the wish to do something mm-hmm. that could move people or, you know, it's like, you realize that it actually is, it's almost counterintuitive to be pushing the whole idea is to allow. And so it's, it is, but it's also counter, so counterintuitive to how we think the world is like how success is made is by mm. pushing. Right. But mm. in reality, if you have the courage to just calm down mm. and, and ask how you can be of service, not how you can get what you want. Yes. It's like the whole universe is like, Oh, this is now we got you. Totally. But how rare is that in the, in the cultural, you know, makeup of today? It's not, mm. you know, I think it's happening more and more. And that's why talking to you about it, it's uh, a good example. And I just had a conversation with Jewel not too long ago uh, about similar things. It's like, you know, the goddess is back. And I've been saying mm-hmm. that for a while. And I think that it is coming out in not only women, but men and, mm-hmm. and everyone as this remembrance of a much deeper connection to who we are and why we're here, which often isn't about us. Yeah. I mean, it is and it isn't. Like we are interconnected with whatever that is. But like, yeah, it's not about our small self and it's not about capitalism. It's, you know, all these things that we're deeply conditioned to think are the only thing that matter. Like, what is your output? How much are you earning? It's like, I don't, I don't really, I can't really subscribe to that paradigm anymore. Um, and I certainly have, and it's really, it's, it's led me to push myself beyond my physical limits, my emotional, spiritual limits. And the truth is, once I do that, I'm no longer making work that I feel proud of even. And then it just all becomes this sad addiction. It feels like just this hollow spiral of addiction of like, I'm just doing this thing that isn't even bringing me joy because I feel like I have to. And I don't really even know what else I would do. So yeah, I I just canceled a few tour dates a couple days ago because I was feeling that happening, just feeling myself losing touch with why I'm doing this in the first place. And um, and the universe was giving me all kinds of signs that it was just clearly not working. And it was just one of those crossroads moments where you can either push and ignore the signs and push through the signs that your body's giving you and do the thing anyway for the sake of doing it or surrender and listen and accept like this is this is not the right action for this moment so i'm gonna withdraw and go sit on the mat and go back to square one and just make sure that my alignment is in in check and um that i'm allowing energy to move through me the way that that whatever that higher power 
wants to be using me for, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like whatever my little brain thinks is supposed to be doing to make other people happier. Blah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's beautiful. And it made me think like, you're right. It's not that it's when I say it's not about us or our one pointed like goal, you know, got to get somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's more about like, well, it is about, it's about all of us, but it's also about, it is about us in the sense of taking responsibility for exactly mm. what you're talking about, taking yeah. responsibility for being in like the divine moment of our lives or the divine mm. purpose of our lives mm. and living tr- that truth. It's mm. especially when it's challenged by cultural, um, culturally significant things like a tour or, you know, mm-hmm. that's when it's hardest, yeah. you know, when you like to have to cancel something and to have mm-hmm. to do something on account of principle, realizing that you're spreading yourself thin or you're going to harm yourself or others by, mm-hmm. by pushing through, mm-hmm. you know, that's not celebrated culturally mm-hmm. either. So having mm-hmm. that be a choice that you make mm-hmm. is in itself breaking that cycle, I think. Yeah. And it's really important to recognize that. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for mm-hmm. having that ability. It's a tough call to make, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of what we talk about on the show is about how to, you know, how to be more like our heroes and our mm-hmm. heroes being the ones who pushed, uh, didn't push more like they, when people push them, that you have to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. They said, no, I have to be who I truly am and why I'm really here. Mm -hmm. And then they broke through to some really influential space where Mm -hmm. they changed the way that other people, young adults felt about art and music and that there Mm -hmm. was a possibility outside the mainstream. And so Mm -hmm. to me, that is, uh, that's what I'm always wanting to talk about really on this mm, show. So I appreciate cool. so much how you just shared that. Cause it really is like, how do we maintain principles and still make art and still mm. survive and get somewhere and get and, and change the way people think? Because I think mm. often, um, that's where the magic is, is when, when you do something that's not supported and it, and it actually changes the history Mm. of how artists make art it's it's cool because i was i was holding that tension in me for months now this mounting feeling that this isn't right i'm getting all these signs my body is not happy about this but that tension of can i is that okay how's that gonna go down but it just in the last couple of weeks i'm sure you've seen too a few people have made the same choice mm-hmm. and spoken about it very eloquently um mm-hmm. i really appreciated santa gold's yeah. letter and really when i read that i was like oh my god i feel like i'm reading my own journal and one thing that i mean it all resonated so much but one line especially was when she said i feel like not enough of us are talking about this mm-hmm. the reality of what's going on like it's all smoke and mirrors and it looks cool on instagram but certainly i know when i tune in with friends of mine who from afar look like they've got it made and I just project and assume, wow, their lives must be so glamorous and easy and they must be making so much money and having so much fun. But then when I actually sit down and talk with them, they're like, 
I'm broke. I'm in chronic pain. I'm going to be living at my mom's basement when I get home from this tour because it's so expensive. I'm losing money on the tour bus and blah, blah, blah. So it's just this weird dissonance between reality and what we're presenting. And I think that we as artists and musicians do have a responsibility to ourselves and each other to be more honest and vulnerable about like when it's not working and on some levels, I think the the state of the music industry is just straight up exploitation, thinking about um, the realities of just moving your physical body from one place to another every day, being in a different city every day. It's like, how much do they pay truck drivers? Like, actually quite a lot. And there's benefits. But like, we're, you know, for, for looking at some of these dates on this tour it's like wait you're gonna pay me like two hundred dollars to drive or to get from like i don't know i won't name any specific names from one point to a very far away point and it's like that you know that maybe looks like an okay number for an hour of music but it's a 24 7 job of yeah. like traveling waiting around sleeping on floors so when you really break it down it's like first of all i'm just losing money (laughs) but it's it's a sad state of affairs that our culture is in where you know the these you know the storytellers the visionaries the poets the artists the fire keepers of our tribe are being um just yeah torn apart and pushed into places where they can't physically sustain their lives. So I feel like there is some kind of like organizing radical revolution that needs to happen amongst us because I don't want to see it get to the point where it kind of already is, where it's like, if, if you don't have some other source of funding or are operating on like the top, top, top tier of music industry, global phenomenal success, then like there's not really room for you. There's been this, awakening that's happened in the artist community Mm -hmm. during this post-apocalyptic worldly shutdown Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing definitely yeah i think across the board no matter what people were doing getting that big reset gave us time to reflect that we never had before because i know i've been doing this for a long time and kind of knew in some part of me that it did not make sense. But I think also, I guess for the first time, getting those stimulus checks, however measly from the government, but being, you know, forced to stay inside and then getting money just for existing was a little glimpse into this other possible alternate reality where there is universal income and we are just supported for existing and don't need to be hustling and it was for me that I mean, it's depressing because those stimulus checks were more than I've had in my bank account for a long time as a touring musician. It was like, holy shit, sixteen hundred dollars. Like that's if I came home from a tour with sixteen hundred dollars in my pocket, I would be psyched <laughs> so that I could not leave my house and have that much money in my bank account. I was like, whoa there's another way and now it makes less sense going back to it it's like wait a minute you know it feels like we've just been through this kind of weird uh, like abusive little gaslighting spiral with the government it's like (laughs) okay freak out freak out this is a terrible like life-threatening situation wait why are you freaking out like 
what's the big deal covid get like yeah work. get back to work get back yeah. to work we it feels like we're in an abusive relationship with like the world government <laughs> but yeah the the money thing it's weird it's like okay if i'm gonna break even i'd rather do that from the comfort of my own home and not be hurting myself um hmm. so yeah it is really interesting times i i kind of hoped in real time when covid was happening i was like maybe this is the the first crack of opening like awakening paradigm shifting maybe maybe we need this kind of catastrophic disruption of rhythm to wake up you know to to awaken from this trance of capitalism that we're all in where we are just working to live you know instead yeah. of living wouldn't that be nice it would and i hope that it's happening i do feel it i feel like in my little mini microcosmic experience of sharing that with people i wasn't sure how it was going to go down i wasn't sure if i was going to get a lot of pushback from venues and label and fans and everything but it's just been unanimously supportive actually that's great really heartening oh, that's so to feel great. that yeah, yeah. That's okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good to remember that, like, human creativity is so limitless and we are just, we have infinite potential to create new systems. And the system that we're in is clearly not working, not serving the people anymore. But that's, it's like, no problem. Let's make a new system because mm -hmm. we dreamed up this one. Exactly. And it turned into a nightmare, but it's still our dream. So we just need to become lucid in this dream and change it. Wow, that was so on point. Whew. Thank you. That quote, I would like that. I hope that's quoted. Uh, make sure, we'll make sure that's a quote. Um, that was really beautiful. Uh, so I want to just ask you one more question, which is, uh, what is your form of activism or what do you, uh, what do you resonate with in terms of the world stage and, and, and how do you enjoy giving back to that thing? Um, for me, it's primarily plants. That's the the language that I love to speak. And I could talk about plants in front of people all day long. And um, a few years ago, I did a plant medicine tour where I lined up um, collaborations with local farmers, herbalists, plant medicine people to come sell their medicines at the show and get up on the mic if they wanted to and talk about what they were doing within the community. So just a place for people to connect with their local plant witches. And that was so good. It was, um, I, I was, it was a record release tour many years ago and I was feeling similar to how I am now exhausted and unsure if I could go on. And I was sitting in the forest feeling that and like asking the trees for guidance and um, the whole forest was like, dude, you can hear us and you have a human mouth and humans can hear you. So we are selecting you right now as our one of our many ambassadors, like use wow. the mouthpiece that you have and the platform that you have, like you're about to go on tour for three months and be on stage in front of a bunch of people. So use that space to talk about us. So I was like, ooh, that's that's an exciting mission that I can get behind. So yeah, quickly took it upon myself to reach out to plant people everywhere. So yeah, the reason that I felt 
called to get into plant medicine and healing for myself was because I was in this body experiencing several chronic and acute conditions that Western allopathic medicine just doesn't have viable answers for. Doctors would just be like, either we don't know what's wrong or we don't care or you're crazy or here's some really expensive pharmaceuticals that you're going to need to be on for the rest of your life and they're going to cause 25 different side effects that you're going to need more pharmaceuticals for. So that was the first 20 years of my life was just so many drugs that it was just a traffic jam, a nightmarish traffic jam of like complications and side effects. And I got to this point when I was 21 where I just realized I have no idea who I am or what my body is capable of without all of these hardcore drugs that I've been on since I was a kid. So took it upon myself to start going off them, finding alternatives, um, exploring Eastern medicine, acupuncture, Ayurveda, and Western um, herbalism and folk medicine. And um, I've gotten it down to a point for many, many years where the only pharmaceutical I'm on is insulin because I'm type 1 diabetic. And that's kind of like the big mountain that I have yet to climb, perhaps, but also maybe just to accept that, like, that there's a difference between healing and curing. And sometimes you just have a thing that isn't going anywhere, but you can still heal your relationship to that thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, plants have just hooked it up for me. And I just feel so deeply indebted to them, to the whole kingdom of plants and fungi. And um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And I feel like that's such a huge part of our collective healing is just remembering as a species that we co-evolved with these benevolent beings. We would not be here without them. They feed us, they heal us. And the earth is such a generous place that wants to feed and heal us for free. <laughs> and we've created these funny systems where we uh, have to believe in scarcity so that corporations can make tremendous profits <laughs> so it feels to me like remembering the the medicinal healing powers of plants and our role as stewards in that web feels so key in unlocking so many shifts that i would love to see happen so the more that i can use the little little spaces and stages and microphones that I'm given to talk about what really matters to me, then the better I can feel about all of it. Plants and the healing power of plants. That is a great answer. Thank you. That's why I asked the question is I'm always uh, surprised and elated by the answers that different artists get on what is their form of activism or a way to give back or what they're thinking about and a more on the more global stage than just mm -hmm. their own personal lives. So everyone out there again, get lessons for mutants. It has been my pleasure to speak with Johanna Warren. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. And have a great tour and I hope that we can stay connected. Likewise. Thank you so much. This is Johanna Warren with her song Lessons for Mutants performed live during the garden session at Pulp Studios. You can find them at Pulp Arts on Instagram and pulparts.com on the web. Wanna hear what 
that's in my head Holy Spirit Hovering over my bed Colors burning Into pure white Warm hands return me to the light Made the journey Safe and safe
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields.